Thank you for tuning in to the Red Clinic Podcast. My name is Dr. Schwalen. I'm a licensed psychologist and expert in the treatment of eating disorders. And today I have a very special episode for you. We're going to talk about the intersection between ministry and mental health treatment. I have a very special guest, David Clippert Rowe. Would you um, grace us with an introduction? Let everybody know who you are and what your background is before we jump into our conversation. Sure. I don't know how graceful it would be, but... uh, (laughs) Yeah, I'm David Clipper Rowe. I've been on staff at uh, Christ Fellowship here, um, non-denominational church in McKinney for, um, boy, I'm, I'm going to say 18 years, which sounds like a long time. I guess it is a long time. Before that, I spent 18 years in the secular world, in the semiconductor world, running business units for a large Fortune 100 uh, company. And um, how I got from there to church we don't have enough time on enough podcasts. Okay. So it's an interesting <laughs> story. So I came on as our children's pastor and for the last several years was our next generation pastor. So children birth through um, uh, fifth grade, uh, next gen sixth grade through uh, 12th grade, young adult. And then most recently I'm uh, accepted a role as our executive pastor of ministry, which is a lot broader. And so uh, I was telling Sonia, basically, I'm the guy that is the opportunity cost guy on church. I get to decide where the funding goes and what we're going to invest our time in. Well, congratulations. Or commiserations. Right. I know. Yes. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, we <laughs> And so today I wanted you to join our show and let's do an episode just talking about <clears throat> that intersection, right? Um, I work all day long and talk on this podcast to... Families who are affected by eating disorders, individuals affected by eating disorders, um, parents, right, who have children with eating disorders, uh, it, it's it's a struggle and it's hard. And just providing some information out there, knocking down barriers so that families out there can get some good information. And I wanted you um, to share some of your experiences as being a leader in the church and how you have helped other you know church members or how you um, counsel families spiritually whenever eating disorder or mental health is something that they come to you with. Yeah. Um, uh, you were talking about that area being a pretty gray area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so typically, and my experience has been, you know, we'll get that call from a parent or a concerned uh, person that uh, somebody in their sphere is just not doing well. And, uh, and you know, I had to call last week from a father about uh, a son who discovered some suicide notes and uh you know they panic you know if i'm really honest i kind of sort of panic in a way i was like oh wow this might be above my pay grade but for us as as pastors working in the church at the crux of it we believe that the the creator has created us in his image and um and that uh we, we are not alone in those in those struggles that we you know, as believers have the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to, to work through, with his help, um, a lot of significant issues in our in our lives. But then you get to a point where you're like, oh, this is more than, um, more than just a spiritual thing that's going on, that there's some, some trigger or some physicality or some event that is, that is, uh, um, or some behavior that, that really, bridges over into into your space so um you know it is a podcast about eating disorders we have that in our family and so one of my children um has gone through this and uh so 
um, I can perhaps talk about it parentally and spiritually Let's because we're that. on the both sides I mean, of it. And, so. and the fact that, you know, you're, you're a leader in the church, right? And you're here, you're, you're not talking about this as this is a sin problem or this is something to be shameful about. We're just here and you're like, yeah, I need you. We need each other. We can, we can guide one another when people come to us and we can work as a team. There's no shame at all in this conversation. And I love that we're doing this because I think our audience out there needs to hear that there's nothing wrong with you or, or some, you know, in, in just because you need some help. And I, and I love that the no shame piece because, um, I, I remember when we, we thought there was a problem and, uh, uh, all three of my children have a relationship with the Lord and this particular, um, uh, offspring of mine, uh, was heavily involved was on worship team uh every mission trip uh you know they were a part of um and we're looking in and we're seeing something that's not quite off and uh not quite there and and you know we want to probe we have a great relationship with our kiddos but we weren't we're getting the oh nothing's wrong in this particular case they were running cross country so there was a legitimate reason for being in shape but um and it and it went for a while and, you know, at that point, we're looking under the bed, uh, you know, we see them eating, but we're still, you know, so all of those, and I'm sure you got tons of flags mm -hmm. that, uh, um, in addition to that. But what really triggered it for us was the, the power and the importance of having another person in your child's life. And I say this a lot, so the power of community um, and uh, you know, there's a lot of studies out lately that say, hey, if there's five people significant uh, influences in the lives of your children, the probability that their faith, your faith gets passed on, um, increases significantly. And we were fortunate to have a lady that was the small small group of uh, leader for, for, um, for my daughter who called us and said, hey, I've noticed that she's losing some weight. What's going on? And then we were able to transparently say, we've noticed the same thing. We've asked some questions. Could you ask you know, you've got freedom to ask the same questions, and she did. And um, in a moment of um, vulnerability and transparency, um, she shared that she was struggling with this. And then, of course, there's some relief, and then there's some uh oh. And this is where I'm going to go in terms of the what's next. Mm -hmm. And so now what? Now what? Who do we call? And then what we found, and I'm sure you probably found this, is that the moment that you drop whatever that issue is on the table our world exploded. Mm -hmm. It was all of a sudden there were five, six, seven other parents that were struggling with the same issue. And of course, you talk, we talked about shame. It was right. like, oh my, you're struggling in silence. I mean, how are you, mom and dad, managing right. this? And then there's this community of parents, but then there's this, oh, let me tell you how, what we did. And then so our, you know, we consulted that community and we wound up connecting with a fantastic eating disorder wasn't you, Sonia, if we'd known. I don't know that I was around I, then, right? So that's my out. <laughs> that's okay. Um, and, uh, and then there's, uh, you know, eating disorder professional uh, you know, psychiatrist that, that helped and just, and, and then we were there um, supporting and, um, and it's, it's still a process and it's still working through. And so we would, we would pray and, and she would um, feel the power and presence of the Holy Spirit but still struggled, and it was it was leaning on the professional community and the expertise and and um, sort of one plus one plus one 
equally more than three, mm-hmm. that really uh, got her over that some um, that critical period. I mean, and and you know, you're listening on the audience here. Um, we're still working through it. It's not completely over. It's better, and um, uh, she can talk about it more freely. And so, you know, in those areas where it's it's clear that it's more than a spiritual issue. It's 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 not necessarily a sin issue. It's a, a, a brain chemistry, biological behavior order that is um, more than just um, a, a specific sin or a specific behavior that that the collaboration um, becomes really really apparent. And I'm fortunate. I live in McKinney. I've been here for a while, and because uh, working at a church, my path crosses with a lot of people that are in this space and so there's a network of people that that we have and i'm sure churches that have been around have where it was a, hey i've got some people that i trust and in this particular case i've got a good friend that's a counselor and i called her and um uh, so the team mm-hmm. is is really super important and uh but i think you know one of the things that we struggle with i think a little bit at the church is I sure would like for it to be more of an Excel spreadsheet. Of <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, uh, to, you know, uh, put this uh, stuff in the in the mm-hmm. spreadsheet, and oh, here's your decision. Right. And so there's some discernment, you know, which I think is is part of what the Holy Spirit does when you're sitting with somebody, and you know, and, and I always invite you know, the Creator into conversations, just regular part of our our day, um, knowing that He'll reveal some things to us that are beyond my own my ability to do that. And so it's it's fairly routine for me to get a sense from him that there's something that's that's beyond this. That uh, it's you know, as I like to say is above my pay grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that we need somebody that's uh, licensed and professional and has has a lot of experience and exposure to whatever particular issue that might be. And I mean you said it's a team, right? And I tell the audience that all the time with when it comes to eating disorder treatment or any kind of mental health illness. People need support. They can't do this on their own. If they could, they would have done it by now. And it really is a a team effort. And I'm really glad that you feel like during your process with your daughter, you felt a part of that team. You weren't on the outside of it and just kind of not participating. You really felt like you were a part of it. I I did, and I'm laughing because... (laughs) um, the birth of my first child, I really felt like I was the problem. <laughs> Not a mental health issue, but just a health professional issue. It's like, you did this to your wife, and so you don't get to have a say oh, in it. No. But, uh, <laughs> that was a whole other story. But but in this particular case, I, I, I mean, I, we were lucky that we had uh, a great team. And I realized that that's not always the case, and that we were invited into it. Um, and, uh, and our daughter felt comfortable, and you mentioned the shame, a piece of it, uh, her her team really helped alleviate that stigma. I'm so glad. Created an opportunity for us to have regular. Con- now she she doesn't like it, or wasn't at the time liking us holding her accountable because mm-hmm. she's still struggling with whatever that issue was. But uh, but we we worked out a healthy rhythm of how to when to asking permission to that um, that was and at the end, honestly that nobody likes to go through crisis but at the end of the crisis we were stronger and better and we had resources and tools that allowed us to be able to handle uh other other issues not only with her but with our other children so 
Well, and I mean, you being vulnerable right now and sharing this very personal story is, it's amazing. Like, I'm very grateful to you for doing that, just putting Thanks. it out there. Yeah. Um, this I should have asked permission, but I should, I, I'll tell her that we had this conversation. <laughs> She'll be okay with it. I know she will. Okay. I, that she really does think through it. And she's been able to have, share her story in uh, in other uh, venues with, uh, with with other young ladies from college and even in a professional environment now, so... So, but you as a parent coming on here and sharing that, I think it's, it's very impactful. And then we add that layer of you as a leader in the church, even more impactful. Cause I think a lot of times, uh, spirituality can be a reason for why people don't seek help. Yeah. That, that they should know better or that as believers, yes. they should have done better. Right. I think that was clear, you know, for Sharon and I, we had, um, we had that moment and we, our marriage is strong and, I know you know probably better than I do, but I see it. I mean, there's a crisis with a child, and uh, mom and dad are not strong, or there's not a good support uh, system for you know, whatever the parental uh, guardian figure is. And uh, it doesn't take much for mom and dad's relationship to crumble as they're working through the crisis of somebody that's important to their lives. And for Cher and I, it was, um, we didn't, I'm fortunate, I have a great, great wife hopefully she say the same thing about me but I, I don't know i certainly <laughs> got the better end of the deal is what i like to say but uh yeah i mean that's a, a and so the power of community the power of of vulnerability and transparency and doing life with other people that's what that's what the christian life is about i mean there's no if it was just us then we wouldn't need the people we'd be in eternity um with the creator but he's set it up in such a way where where we need relationships and we need to be able to draft in the wake of, uh, of uh, Jesus with skin on is what I like to say. And so I think that's a perfect segue. If you don't mind sharing just how your faith helped you through times where you maybe felt out of control or powerless. Well, I, th I, uh, yeah. And I think that's, um, one of my favorite movies is it's a wonderful life. Right. And I love that little, uh, um, phrase that uh, one of the characters says that youth is wasted on the young, right? I wish at my at my age I had some of the experiences when I was younger to be able to pull upon. And and um, and part of that is just your faith walk with the Lord. I mean, I, I, I came to faith late in life. I came to faith as a result of my children. A year after my oldest uh, was born is, um, is when I accepted Jesus as my Savior. And Sherry and I did it at the exact same moment in time, and that's a, a sort of a miracle story in and of itself because Sherry grew up in the church and I didn't, and and yet in the church that she grew up on, grew up in, uh, a personal relationship with the Lord was not something that was talked about. It was much more of a, hey, check the boxes uh, sort of uh, faith, and because, and you know, I rarely went to church. I started going to church because I was dating her. I thought that would help, but um, that's a whole other story. <laughs> but, uh, you know, halftime at a Christmas show at Great Hills Baptist Church in Austin. The pastor, the lights went down, pastor came out, gave the gospel presentation, and we accepted Christ. And, uh, and um, his presence in our life at that point was so immediate and people would probably look at Sherry and I and say, hey, you're probably Christians anyway, because there was no overt sin in our lives, and uh, and yet we weren't. And, you know, the moment we went home, we could tell there was something different, both individually and collectively. And so 
we immediately joined a, a church and immediately got into a small group. We were just like puppies waiting to be led. I mean, what do you do? And so they said, okay, you, you start serving and you find a community. And it's okay, well, that's, if that's what we do, that's what we do. And so what we have found is um, the more that you grow, you, you put yourself in the Lord's presence, the more the Lord's presence is in you. It's just one of those things. You, you know, the Lord says, you draw close to you, I'll draw close to you. You know, I stand at the door and knock. You come open the door, you know. For the most part, you know, there's some, you know, Paul on the road to Damascus sort of experiences where he's you know, knocked off his donkey. But I think for the vast majority, it's, hey, when you submit yourself to the to the teachings and the leadings of the Lord, he does what he promises and he, and he invests himself in you. And so as we were struggling through these issues, you know, with all of our children, I mean, it's no perfect child. And uh, uh, one of the things that we realized is that uh, our children are given to us um, uh, for us. We're not just given <laughs> to them for them. It's a 360-degree process, and he knows exactly what we need. And so we had a healthy perspective of that, that uh, we weren't going to raise our children linearly, that they were going to be born and that they were going to marry the perfect person, get straight A's, be the perfect student, athlete, fill in the blank, that we were going to have some uh, some valleys and some mountaintops. And I think... Um, I think a lot of people, when they're thinking about their faith, they don't think about it that way. It's it's the you know it's the test that produces the testimony. Just to use that you know horribly horrible cliche, but but that's the reality of it. And of course, you know it's a lot easier when it's happening to Sonia and Jean's kids than it is to Sherry and David's kids. So we had a healthy perspective that um, our life was not going to be perfect, and that we were going to have some struggles. Especially the more kids you have, the higher the probability you're going to have an issue. And um, and then immediately. We, uh, you know, Bruce, our senior pastor, um, had some incredible wisdom. And as senior pastor, he knows a lot of a lot of people's issues and, and struggles. And so we asked the question, "Who do you know that we can talk to that has this issue?" And right, and it was like, "Here's two or three, four people," and we just submitted ourselves to, "Hey, what did you do? How did you do it? When did you know? What's your role? When do you press in? When do you not press in?" Give us some great recommendations of counselors. So it's really um, our our faith giving us a healthy perspective that there's there's no perfect life this side of eternity. That one and one with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit is more than two, and um, the wisdom to seek transparently help from Jesus with skin on, just other people that have have worked through it and. And for us, uh, I mean, it was brutal. I mean, I just, you know, whenever your kids are hurting, I mean, there's nothing like a an offspring hurting that you can't put a, I mean, I couldn't put a Band-Aid on it. I couldn't give her a pill. I couldn't read a Bible verse per se. Um, it was, wow, that really sucks. And um, not trying to solve it. I think that's a good parental sort of uh, um uh, axiom, I think, you know, especially for type A people. I'm a type A person, probably recognize that already. Um, I want to be in control of things, and uh, Sonia and I, we've talked a little about that. But <laughs> I wanted and, you to know, fix I was it. just going to ask you, too, like, well, what would you say to parents right now? And I think you just got there on your own. Yeah, so. uh, well, great question. Thanks for the more I talk, the some. It's okay, I'll interrupt you out. more. <laughs> but I think <laughs> I it was, it was a brutal, it was a brutal experience, and I just wanted it to be right. And I, I wanted to be able to put my head on the pillow and not worry or about my children. I mean, that's what moms and dads want. And um, 
A healthy perspective is that they're the Lord's. He gifts them to you for an amount of time, both for you and for them. And uh, you're not going to be a perfect parent if, if that's if that's your um, goal. It's a great goal. It's a it's a lofty goal. I say you know shoot shoot for the sun. If you fall short and hit the moon, that's still you still made some progress. But you're going to have some some rocky things. And my experience too is that the Lord uses the thing that is perhaps most important in your life as the thing that he'll use to rub the edges off your life. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly been the case with our kiddos. And thankfully, Sharon and I have been on the same page. And so it hasn't ruptured or created too many ripples in our marriage. And that's important too. Yeah. So, so as a parent, let go of this idea of you need to be perfect. Surrender, right? The child your children aren't yours. They were given to you to take care of for the time that you have them. Yeah. And communication and being on the same page as as parents, two parents, you know, in the home. Yeah. Uh, yes. Or or um, for you, know, you single parents out there or grandparents that are raising your kids' parents, that's my worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. Just as an aside, is like I wind up being the parent to my kids' kids. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. We can but do another episode on that. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the, the Lord says he's the father to the fatherless, and it's some, somewhat trite. But, um, boy, I look at some of these moms, the single moms with multiple kids with horrific stories. Um, boy, I don't know how you do that without the peace that comes from a relationship with the Lord. Um, so... Well, thank you so much for sharing. You're that. welcome. Is that 20 minutes? I went pretty well. Well, I want one, I want to talk oh. about one more thing. Okay. So, if someone in the church were to go and seek some spiritual guidance, how do they go about doing that? I mean, what can you share with some people out there if they want to start there or they want to make sure that um, the church is involved in their child's care somehow, some way? What do they actually go do? Where do they start? Um, so, uh, on the spiritual side of it, I I would say that. Um, you go to church. I mean, one of the things that I use this acronym for parents, it's pretty straightforward. You want to grow to be like Jesus? Well, you go to church, read your Bible, do what it says, obey it, and witness to others, right? Tell other people about Jesus. The more that you do that, the more you begin to look like Jesus. And it's not a linear path. And, you know, for grown-ups, we would say, hey, you know, spend time reading God's Word. I mean, the most significant um, uh, growth that happens in the life of a pre-believer all the way through a mature believer is when they spend personal time with the Lord, without exception. Whether you're a new pre-believer, a new believer, you're growing or you're maturing, the more you spend with His Word, the more it changes you. But uh, for parents that are interested in, in helping their children find and follow Jesus, that's Christ Fellowship's language, um, you actually have to put yourself in an environment where you can find and follow Jesus, which is you spend time in the Word and put yourself in the context where um, your church's uh, children's ministry um, is deliberate and intentional about teaching the Word of God. You know, and typically that happens um, in a church environment with some kind of curriculum, with worship and small groups. Those are the three legs of, of our... And that happens for us from the moment that a child goes into our nurseries, which mm-hmm. is kind of weird. Um, we're singing songs as we're changing diapers, and then it just graduates up for age-appropriate uh, teaching. But um, And then I would say, you know, for grown-ups, I mean, uh, you know, our life group, we have a small group that meets outside of church for, for growing, and um, it's kind of a very interesting demographic. We have empty nesters all the way down to young young parents with newborns, and 
know, that cross-generational learning is super important. I think sometimes we try to segment things in such a way as a whole other episode about the sanitation. Don't worry, we're making yeah, notes. Yes. We'll have you back. The sanitization of our of uh, raising our children, right? It's like, hey, you want to, um, uh, you know, your sixth grade girl wants to play volleyball. Well, you know, she's only going to be in a class with sixth grade girls whose birthdays are from January to it is, you know, it's bizarre to ask me about why we go to camp his way okay. and what happens I'll ask at camp about that, that doesn't happen in some <laughs> of these other church environments. But um, yeah, um, I'm a believer that, uh, you know, the hope of our generation is a local church, whether that's for children or for young adults or for marrieds or for empty nesters. And then, you know, Christ Fellowship specifically is focusing on reducing loneliness, anxiety, and addiction, right? Did I get it right? Uh, loneliness, and yeah, you got it in the right order yeah, too, awesome. right? There yeah. we go. The vision is, and I give you a gold star, yeah, to reduce reduce those, reduce those um, in our environment. And you know, we're coming off COVID, and uh, um, what a crazy year that has been. And um, uh, we have seen, I have seen... Um, sort of a hockey stick in the mental health issues, particularly with young ladies in the in the late middle school and um, high school, which is kind of a strange demographic. And uh, you know, one of the things that um, that parents that uh, you know, but we know because we see it across um, uh, generations, is kids are wired for community for the most part, and. Um, having a relationship with somebody is so powerful in the life of a young person that you know their their consequential logical thinking just sort of takes a back seat to that so they will willingly purposefully do mm -hmm. things that they know that they're not supposed to do to get relationship and so during this covid environment um, where we couldn't meet with friends we couldn't meet with peers and boy i mean we tried to do student ministry with zoom and it was just a just a train wreck over and over and again and what we were beginning to seeing happening is the longer we went in this conflict in the home was manifesting itself in some really unhealthy behaviors i mean kids wanted to get out they're spending a lot of time with their parents more time than they ordinarily would so parents are now to overly control in an environment that they weren't used to parents were frustrated mm -hmm. and i probably had i would say four to five cps calls yeah in a in a small space i believe it yeah so um yeah the power of relationship for our teenagers is super super important i don't know how we got on that question well because i asked about loneliness anxiety and oh, addiction right. and how the church's vision is to reduce those three things and so covid really was right. a was a like crucible a, for mm -hmm. a sort of a, a lightning rod for that and so and we began this is just you know god is so amazing in the way that he orchestrates um uh, you know, church movements. We began talking about loneliness, addiction, and anxiety a year before COVID hit. Uh, we spent some time had a consultant come in to cra help us craft a new vision, and we just saw the rise of of loneliness and um, uh, separation and siloing and busyness in our community, particularly in the North Texas. You know, very affluent. You know, I talked to another church person the other day and said, "Hey, I, I'll." Um, leader that's like, hey, we, we're a very affluent church. We'll, we'll, we will buy something more than we'll give you our time, right? Mm. Yeah, can't we just, can't we just contract that? And it's like, no, 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 it works when you actually invest yourself in it. And so when you come to the table, yeah, look at you, bonus <laughs> points for our vision. That's vision language for Christ Fellowship. But, um, 
And so, yeah, we, we started looking at our community and these particular issues began to crop up, you know, loneliness, anxiety, and addiction. And so we began to, you know, what's the antidote for that? Is, is uh, you know, statistically, um, I just saw something the other day that, um, I can't remember the numbers, but the, the rise of loneliness, particularly in men, you know, which are no surprise to you, is that uh, you know, men just don't naturally seek out other people to share their lives with is astronomical right now. And it's masked by affluence and it's masked by, you know, uh, access to pretty much anything that you need any moment you know, of the time with this little thing in our hands. And so we have begun talking about that. And one of the antidotes is that we would have meaningful conversations with people, that we would slow down and talk to people mm -hmm. about what's going on. Of course, that comes at an opportunity cost. you got to be said you no know, to something, you know, good to say yes to something better. And, um... Uh, so we are actively motivating um, from elders to our staff to our leaders. And we have a massive conference um, on August 21st for our church congregation to begin to motivate them to actually go out and, um, and intentionally invest themselves in the lives of other people. I think I had this conversation with you. We have, we've had, we had it a while ago. Yeah, about in, uh, in Africa, uh, mm -hmm. forget what the country is and they yep. literally don't have enough, uh, professional psychiatrists. And so they've, um, uh, invested in old, old women that mm -hmm. have time. Yes. What do they did have? Tell me that. And they sit on the bench <laughs> and there's like, Oh, you have a, and they're um, the bench pharmacy. They're dispensing is, medications. Right? right. Yes. And, uh, you know, I think they're, they don't have a, a language, um, for depression, but they, uh, their, their term for it was you're talking to yourself too much. <laughs> you're inside your head. I forget what it was. And so their antidote is, Hey, let me give you somebody that can listen mm -hmm. and can affirm and all those healthy listening skills. Before we go to, you know, oh, yeah, we got a significant problem. Right. People are lonely. They need somebody to talk to. Even in their homes, they're lonely. Doing life with the person that they've committed to do life with, there's no conversation happening. So. Well, I thank you so much for coming on and talking about Delighted this. Because I think what we have done is, is really shown that there is an intersection here between ministry and mental health and truly caring about people and taking care of them and the way that you know, someone in the secular, you know, side of things, someone in the church side of things can come together and really have the common goal of just wanting to take care of people. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. It's an easy conversation to have. And yes. you're a good friend and Jean's a good friend. So delighted to be here. And I'm, I'm so glad that you came and I hope you come again. I will. <laughs> All right. Well, there you have it. That's the Red Clinic Podcast. Can't wait to see you again next week.